You know, it's a holiday week, and uh, I know we want to usually focus on light and happy topics. Sometimes we talk about, though, uh, more serious things, important things. And with family coming together, it's the sort of conversation you may have to have with family members at some point. November is National Hospice Care Awareness Month. And it is something that many families will confront. And when you are are able to go in and make those decisions uh, from a basis of knowledge and information, it can help that transition with a loved one entering the last stage of their life to make sure they can do so uh, with comfort and with peace of mind. And to talk more about hospice care and what you need to know about those decisions. We're joined this afternoon with a couple of officials with Safe Haven Hospice Care. David Lithgow is the executive director. Lindsay Stoudemire is the director of nursing, and they're both here with us this afternoon. And welcome to both of you, and thanks so much for taking the time to be here with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having us. Uh, David, let me start with you as executive director at uh, Safe Haven Hospice. Uh, I think we need to probably start with making sure we uh, we all are, are on the same terminology here. So what do we mean when we talk about hospice? care? Hospice care, by the purest definition from uh, CMS-Medicare, is that in uh, a a best guess uh, scenario, an educated guess, that a patient has a terminal illness with a life expectancy of six months or less, if there are no aggressive Uh, treatment measures taken. Um, And again, that doesn't mean that if a doctor says you got a hospice, okay, we got six months to start the calendar because we live in a world where we believe in there's one God and I'm not him. We're not making that call. And some people, uh, some people survive longer. Uh, some people actually even graduate off of hospice. But it's, uh, again, the purest form is that in a physician's order and his best guess is if there are no aggressive treatments, we're looking at six months or less. Particularly for people who haven't really confronted this or had direct experience with it, I think sometimes there's a perception that hospice care is, in effect, throwing in the towel, giving up. Um, explain that part of it here. When someone makes that decision, what what is it, in your experience, what is it people are really deciding for themselves? Well, we don't minimize, the, you're not going to find a hospice company that minimizes the impact that it comes with the caregivers or the POAs on what they're doing. There are a lot of myths, and, and as time permits, we can, we can even address some of those about what hospice does. Hospice is about providing comfort, peace, peace of mind, um, and we hope the integrity that the patient deserves and that they've earned the right to have. What that looks like varies from patient to patient, depending upon what their admitting diagnosis is, depending upon what family dynamics are, uh, depending upon a number of circumstances, which we're going to try to determine in the initial assessments and what's good for the patient, what level of support the patient and the family needs, which can include anything up to um, social and emotional support. It can include spiritual Spiritual support. It includes bereavement support, and some of that can start early on with anticipatory grief that they're already feeling, Jim, like they're throwing in the towel. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing that uh, that studies have now shown is that patients who come on hospice care, on average, live an extra 28 days longer than what they would without hospice care. So it's not anticipated. Guess, I guess if you look at it, I had one of my former medical directors explain it this way, that that your, uh, 
this is a portion of your journey. This is your life's journey. That doesn't necessarily mean it's terminal. And we want to, as a hospice, find out what is it that you want to accomplish? What do you still want to get to where you're at right now? And then what we can do within, naturally, uh, certain parameters of providing that for them. I want to bring Lindsay Stoudemire into the conversation here as director of nursing. As David noted, it can mean actually more time in someone's life. But it also has to do with the quality of life. And and people a lot of times make that decision of, boy, I could keep going through you know chemo treatments and I could be sick and, and miserable and or I can you know be comfortable and be surrounded by the people I love and be able to to really embrace and appreciate that time from the nursing standpoint what sorts of care what sort of services do you provide to, to try to enhance that quality of life you're exactly right when you say quality of life um, the overall goal in my opinion is quality over quantity um, the the goal as a hospice nurse is to make someone happy, comfortable, do anything and everything they want um, at the end of their life. And like Dave mentioned, it's not, you know, hospice isn't signing a death certificate when you sign on. It's signing a contract that we are going to make you happy. We're going to do what you want. Um, you're the the driver of the car. You tell us what makes you happy, and we'll do our very best to to meet that. Um, we basically. We put the patient first and their families first. And when yeah. we talk about the hospice setting, what, what, where physically are we talking about? Is this hospice within a hospital, within a nursing home, within someone's actual home? Where, where is this all taking place? Safe Haven Hospice is um, a home hospice company, but we also contract with certain nursing homes. Um, we're under the Christian Horizons umbrella, so like nursing homes around the area, such as like Lewis Memorial, Christian Village, or the River Birch Estates. Um, but I would say um, primarily we have home patients um, and nursing home patients. And we treat the nursing home patients like they're at their home. We visit them multiple times a week. They have a CNA that comes and visits them. Um, and home patients, we make sure that they are set up with the right materials, uh, we, you know, like a hospital bed delivered, oxygen delivered. And we pride ourselves with the fact that we contract with certain DME companies for the equipment um, that deliver within a four-hour window. So if it's a last-minute thing, we can usually try to get everything set up to really apply that quality care. In terms of the professionals who work in hospice care, when they're serving a, a patient or family, is there kind of a standard approach where you're there four hours a day, eight hours a day, round the clock, or, or does it vary from patient to patient? It really varies on the patient's need. Um, typically, our skilled nursing side of it, uh, we set up prior appointments. Uh, we visit a couple times a week, and we'll just do an overall assessment of the patient, visit with the patient, um, keep them company, you know, companionship, and then also visit with the families and make sure that they're doing okay okay because when it's the patient signing on we also sign the family on and we make sure they're at the forefront of the discussion as well um our cnas will have set visits as well and they will do bed baths or showers and we have another program called compassionate moments um, that really we kind of interview the patient to find out their favorite scents their favorite smells any snacks or any anything that makes them a, a different than a name on a piece of paper um, and we really try to put that into our care as well to make them. Be- because it's not explicitly a, a hospital setting, how do you deal with things like if, if uh, a patient suddenly is in, in greater pain, uh, in real discomfort, needs medication of some sort to address some of those issues? How, how do you work that all out? When we admit a patient onto our hospice service, we have a comfort care pack that we automatically send to their pharmacy. Um, that includes our comfort medications such as morphine, um, lorazepam, 
We also can get any other kind of pain medication that they would prefer. Um, but we have nurses on call 24-7, um, weekends, holidays, everything. And we're known, I mean, a lot of people would laugh at this that are listening right now that will know that I live at Walgreens and MacArthur <laughs> at 1030 at night. Those you know, pharmacy techs know me by name. Um, we'll do whatever we can to get them their medication in a timely manner and keep them comfortable. David, who all is involved in the decision to, to enter hospice care? And is there ever a situation where, where you have to say hospice care isn't really appropriate for you yet? Absolutely. First of all, you're, you know, I'm going to defer to Lindsay to be able to give <laughs> the uh, clinical expertise. You know, we stay in our lanes when we're not. But no, the, it, it is tough. And, and, and in your intro, Jim, you were very astute because there's times now of this year where families are getting together and maybe there's a sibling that is out of state that hasn't seen mom's decline and is only hearing about it from his sister and he's not buying into it and now they come around for thanksgiving dinner or moving into the end of the year and say wow okay now we need to think of something different that yes the doctor has talked about it but we're not ready yet so and there are a lot of those because of what you said about people giving up or or am i throwing in that towel and so we can do consultations you can maintain your own doctor um you know that's the if the doctor wants to follow they're still in charge of the care as lindsay said earlier the the patient and the caregivers are still coordinating what is best in their interest so we can bring them together let's have our consultation let's talk let's answer all the questions let's see where your hesitations are what type of support are you going to need everything is an individualized care and then we're going back to get the doctor on board. I had one physician that made the comment to me that if you could take a pill that allowed you to be comfortable, pain-free, maintain your integrity, dignity, and maintain the highest quality of life that you're capable of doing, would you take that pill? When you get to this life's journey, hospice is that pill for end of life. Mm -hmm. uh, any one of us would say we just want our loved one to be all of those things you just said, mm -hmm. to be comfortable, to have dignity, to have that quality of life. There are practical considerations, cost being one of them. How does that factor in? Is this covered by insurance, by Medicare, by Medicaid? Uh, what isn't covered? How do you deal with those issues? D, all the above. Um, depending upon, there is a Medicaid, Medicare benefit. Uh, there's Medicaid benefit to it, and, and certainly some uh, uh, private insurances also have that Medicare or the, the hospice benefit to it. So very rarely is the time that a patient's going to put out any money. Um, I, I have had a couple in my history that, that they have privately paid for hospice because they didn't have a benefit or they're not of Medicare age and a lot of different scenarios that figure into it. Medicare, the, the Medicare guideline or the overall hospice guideline, I guess, that we would use is Hospice will pick up the cost of medications. Um, Lindsay referred to DME or durable medical equipment. It could be the wheelchair. It could be a shower chair, any of those types of things. I don't want to talk down to anybody, but hope the audience can stay with. Anything that is related to the hospice diagnosis. So if you're needing these medications, but yet the family comes back and says, well, she's been on this for five years or he's been on this for 10 years, and we still want to continue that. If it's not part of the hospice, dinner, then they will continue to pay for that as they've always paid for that. It's just not part of the, part of, of the hospice benefit. Um, 
it, we we think about this as someone who's maybe very old or has had you know very serious illness for a long time, but there may be any number of settings where mm-hmm. you have to then consider uh, hospice care. And and I'm guessing you probably deal with younger patients, patients with a variety of different illnesses and conditions, and with a variety of uh, amounts of time a family's had to prepare themselves for this. Yeah, we personally don't do pediatrics. That is a very, very challenging, as you can imagine. Sure. Uh, it takes a very special person, and God bless the ones that do. Uh, but it's very few and far between. You know, but it is. It's not so much... Um, uh, I guess stereotypically, yeah, you're looking at the senior citizen, and it's not that way. We were having a conversation uh, within the last week of a patient who was uh, in their 40s uh, that that was uh, terminally diagnosed. Um, our staff had him, or at his wishes, fill out cards, birthday, graduation, wedding, every every outstanding achievement that his children would have so all the way up until they're in their mid-20s or mid-30s they're going to get a special card that dad filled out in advance wow that and was one of my favorite patients that, to experience that was just awesome hitting me right in the heart just even even thinking about but that's, that that's where Lindsay was saying every every hospice care every hospice patient is different the plan of care is is unique to them and it is our challenge to meet them where they are not only physically whether that's the nursing home whether that's a home patient um, and 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 what that care looks like in the home setting whether that's a safe environment and we need to work with the families on that but also meet them where they are spiritually meet them where they are emotionally and then what we can do to help them in the long-term peace of mind that they can pass easily. We're, we're talking with David Lithgow and Lindsay Stoudemire of Safe Haven Hospice. Uh, this is Hospice Care Awareness Month, and, and I really I think your last answer kind of covered that. But you know, again, for people who are looking at this, I'm guessing you would agree it's advisable to look into several different options, talk uh, to different providers. Uh, but what sorts of things should people be thinking about as they're trying to decide who's who's the right uh, person or group? or company to provide this level of care? That's a great question. I, I think it's a feel-good. I think it's I think it's a... Uh, um, one of the things, and Lindsay, Lindsay used the phrase, which makes me happy because I'm sure she used it before I started here, so that's okay, too. <laughs> but but it, it's, it's, it's meeting them where they are. It's that they're not a name on a piece of paper. And it's so easy to do to clinicalize in today's society that you fall into this bracket. And I don't, it doesn't matter what we're talking about and what segment because we're becoming a segmented. But, but what company seems to meet your needs? What company is telling you this is where we are? You know, I can go in and I can have a conversation with a patient and the needs of the wife are going to be different than the patient because she didn't see life without him. So what's that scenario look like? Mm -hmm. Where's that communication line? What's important to her? I was in Florida at one point. I invited, invited the woman that while we're there, why don't you go out and just stand on the beach? Because you probably haven't seen that for 20 years because you've been taking care of John. And then come back, and then we're going to tell you everything. So those types of things that just really make you feel that you're certain physicians like dealing with select hospices, and certainly uh, we open it up to your specialist, whether it's an oncologist or um, cardiologist or somebody of that nature, but also your primary care physician. Lindsay, I want to ask you, too, because we, we focus, uh, obviously, and it should be the primary focus, on uh, an ill individual and their families and things. But the people who work in this field, this, this has to have its own 
challenges as well. You are encountering uh, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of sadness, but also the ability to provide that comfort and care. What does that mean for staffers, for the people who, who work for you and work in this particular area? Well, I want to give a shout out, first of all, to our entire staff, because we have an, an incredible group of nurses and social workers and chaplains. Um, we just, in general, hospice is a way of life for the patient and for the staff. Um, I, I'm not afraid to say that I've cried at a patient's home. I've attended funerals. Um, my patients and their families have become my family. And that's really how we look at our patients when we are with them. We don't look at them like they're it's a job. Um, and actually, one of our CNAs put it that way. She doesn't think about getting up and going to work. She thinks about just getting up and starting her day. What's today going to bring? And I think that's the, the best part about it. If you couldn't handle the emotion of it, you wouldn't be in hospice. A very important uh, area of care and uh, very special people providing it. Again, uh, Hospice Care Awareness Month. Uh, David and Lindsay, uh, people would like to learn more about Safe Haven Hospice. How do they do so? Um, we, you can look us up online or you can give us a call um, at our number is 855-879-4096. And you just ask for one of us on the, on the phone and we'll get with you as fast as we can. Give us the number one more time. Number again is 855-879-4096.